Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance. And for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us, and God is in our truth. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet, from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Zero Out Today show. I am your humble host, Dr. Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, knowledge, engagement, empowerment, presenting a knowledge that is empowering and transforming, and empowering you, our listeners, to knowing and impacting the world around us. And as always, you're welcome to join us on this illuminating journey. Several ways you can do so. Follow us on all our social media immediately on the Facebook page, the Zeron Network on Facebook. Go there, like that page, listen to archive shows, leave comments, share the page, all that good stuff. We invite you to join us. On Twitter, we are at Zera Radio. On Twitter, at Z-E-R-A Radio. My personal handle is at Lorenzo T. Neal. Also, Follow me on so, on social media, Instagram, Dr. Lorenzo Neal, on uh, Facebook, Dr. Lorenzo Neal. Wherever else we can be found, we are found. And if you're one of our faithful listeners, if you have not done so, I want to invite you to become a supporter by becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com slash Lorenzo T. Neal and join one of our tier lists to support this show support all we do and everything else we appreciate you so much thank you so much so much so much there's a lot i want to talk about today and not i i know it's holiday season and um, i'm not going to be before you long this is not going to be a long broadcast but there's something i just really wanted to address i think very very important for me as a pastor for me as a black man, um, to so, to the address this, I'm going to talk about black femicide. And if you're not familiar with that word femicide, you're going to learn about it today. And you're going to learn uh, about the atrociousness, the atrocities that have been committed against black women, uh, heinously committed against black women, more frequently in the last two years or so. It's been heightened. Um, but yeah, that, that that's what I want to talk about. But before we do that, I want to um, say a couple of things. Uh, well, not say a couple of things. I just want to read a couple of stories that I think were just um, interesting at the very least. First story is, for those of you who are um, adherents to sacred scripture, particularly the Bible, 
in the New Testament. You may be familiar with the book of Revelation. Not Revelations, Revelation. Um, in that book, there's this description of a a what is called the beast. And the beast is a conglomeration of several uh, animals and images. It's symbolic of the Roman Empire and the emperor and all the the things that defined it at that time. Um, and some artists decided that they would use that <laughs> and make a sculpture. They were influenced by this, and well, at least people are interpreting it to be influenced by this Revelation beast. Um, and it's placed in front of the United Nations. And there are persons who believe the United Nations to be the beast, uh, a fulfillment of biblical prophecy, and they stretched scriptures to make it happen. Um, but, you know, those who are so end time ready see this as an imminent sign of either Jesus returning or the rapture or something, you know, Armageddon or whatever it's going to be. I, I don't know. But that's how they see it. And the article, I want to uh, give a uh, shout out to Miss Ann Brock and the old black, old black church for uh, this is where I'm getting this article from. But um, there's a sculpture at the UN that looks a lot like the end times beast referred to in Daniel 7 and Revelation 13. Let me put a premise here for those of you. Now, we have... Um, <laughs> Gravely, and I say this, I say this with sincerity, and some maybe a little bit of ignorance, but um, we gravely misinterpreted scriptures to create this end time uh, scenario. And if you're if you're a Christian, you're a premillennialist, a millennialist, a postmillennialist, uh, pre-rapture. Uh, mid-tribulationist, pre-tribulationist, post-tribulationist, all of that. I don't know where you fall in it, if you fall in it at all, but, you know, a lot of the imagery that's presented in these end-time prophecy scriptures were specific for those that day and time, not to be interpreted as something else that we now do, but that's just me. I, I Like I said, I'm not I am not a a uh, prophecy scholar, and I'm not trying to pretend to be. But you know, over the last 200 plus years, where persons have used end time prophecy to try to, well, you know, a lot of end time prophecies have failed, and that it is what it is. No way around that. But anyway, so this beast. This sculpture is, um, similarly represents the mark of, I mean, not the mark of the beast, but the beast. And it created quite an uproar for some Christians. The CBN News um, wrote an article, and this is the article that uh, the old black church is referencing, that... Um, this is supposed to be a guardian for international peace and security. That's what the official name for it is. It's a fusion of jaguar, eagle, donated by the government of Osaka, Mexico. Okay? But countless critics, critics are saying that this is the likeness of the beast that they written about in the Old Testament by the prophet Daniel and in the New Testament in the book of Revelation. And... Um, it gives it a description. But anyway, what they're saying is that um, this symbol is a symbol of the end time. And this is what they say. The most absolute important thing in your life is to know Lord Jesus. Uh, not to know of him, but to know him. Because this is the end days. This is the end. <laughs> 
and I've been long, I've been around long enough to have heard that so many times that it's you know, and I've said it. We're in the end time. We're in the end time. <laughs> but some of the things that's going on really makes you wonder. Makes you wonder. And there there are others who are arguing. Well, it's a wonderful sculpture, but it is not the beast in Revelation thirteen. Largely because uh, that one has seven heads. <laughs> this one only has one head. It doesn't. It just has one single head. It's just a. It's a merging of um, a merger or whatever. Uh, uh, like I said, eagle and jaguar. And it's from Mexico of all places. You would think that if it was going to be end times, it definitely come from the Middle East somewhere. But anyway. This is, you know, it's sculpture, and as much as Christians want to use this, and and I, mind you, I'm a Christian, and I read the scriptures. Uh, I believe the scriptures to be what they are. But uh, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not anticipating craziness like this, and I think with some Christians are so anxious for something to happen. They're trying to make it happen. And here in the States, we, we're seeing a rise of uh, a sect of Christian nationalists who are also dominionist, who believe that the Christians should rule the world. And if I recall, the last time Christians had such dominance and influence politically and all of that, uh, it was crusades where they were killing each other. Yeah, well, Christians killing Christians because they weren't the right Christians. I'm just saying. I just thought that was an interesting study. You, you can go there and read there. I hey, read the comments. You know, I I, <laughs> I love reading the comments. The other thing that caught the news is the story of a pastor who decided that he would dressed in drag as a means of evangelism and was ultimately um, fired from his church. Um, Let me get the story up real quick. Um, Craig Duke, who is a he is a Methodist pastor, United Methodist, in Indiana, has been removed from his role as pastor of the church where he served because he showed up as a drag. Or he, uh, he appeared on the TV show, We're Here, the HBO TV show, in drag. Um, now... He's the pastor that is New Newburgh, Newburgh, I'm sorry, Newburgh United Methodist Church. And uh, let, let me let me preface this by saying uh, we don't really get fired, <laughs> Methodists. We don't get fired. What we do is we're reassigned somewhere. So the the word fired is kind of misleading. He was not fired, and probably. You know, we have we have our book of discipline. We have our uh, response. You know, our bill of rights. So we get just be agreed, fired just like that. So this is misleading. Uh, he more than likely was, you know, excuse me, asked to step away from the public role of pastor while he waits a reappointment somewhere else. And here's the thing, he is. Heterosexual. He's a cis man. Um, and the story is, as he reported it, there's this group that goes around and they put on drag shows in small towns. And when they approached him, he was like, well, he has a daughter who identifies as pansexual. Um, pansexual is not the same as let me preface this, okay? Because there are so much 
the LGP, LGB2, I'm not even saying it right, LGB, and then you got to add TQIA+. There, I think I got it right. Okay. It's so diverse. It's so broad. And how people are identifying within that broad umbrella, you know, is is somewhat confusing for persons like myself. And I try to stay abreast of it as best I can so I can effectively minister to those persons who are identifying within that particular community. But anyway, he stated that his mother, I mean his daughter, identified as as a pansexual and for him to be empathetic toward her he wanted to be you know that's what he wanted to do he wanted to show that he's empathetic toward her and he wanted to show that god loves everyone no matter what they identify as which sounds good you know that's wonderful everybody should know god loves them if they believe in god or if they have this religiously religious uh affiliation of any kind they should be affirmed in that sense, absolutely, no doubt. But um, <laughs> you know, he decided that the best way for him to demonstrate that and affirm that was by doing drag. And yeah, um, <laughs> this is what he said. This is what is coming from the article uh, by NBC News. You can't do a drag show like this in Southern Indiana and not offend someone. Um, I'm hoping that it's a bridge for my daughter, for the church I serve, for the denomination I love, and for me. And I'm hoping that my voice will become stronger. Now, here's, here's the thing. Right now, the United Methodist Church is in the midst of a split. The split is not theological in sense as it is more uh, sociological. Split is between those who are conservative and those who are a little more progressive and liberal. The split centers around uh, those clergy who identify as same-sex loving clergy who not only want to be recognized as such publicly, but also want to have the ability, uh, there is no direct prohibition on marriage between those, uh, in, as far as, you know, within the book of discipline. There is no direct prohibition, but it's always been understood that if you're going to be married, marriage is between a cisgender man and a cisgender woman. That's how historically marriage has been understood, and now we understand and we have law where, you know, same-sex couples can marry and be recognized by that. Now, in the, the broader dispute comes within the church of whether clergy should uh, officiate those marriages. And um, that's, that's where the larger dispute and disruption comes from. And, and, and it's not just in the United Methodist Church. It's also coming into... Uh, the black uh, Methodist faith traditions, including my own, the African Methodist Episcopal Church, we're trying to wrestle with this also. But what people are both applauding him and both demeaning him for is the fact that he saw this as a tool of evangelism. Again, he is cisgender. He is not same-sex attractor. He's married with children. He's not coming out. He did not use this as coming out of the closet moment or anything like this. For him, this was about ministry opportunity. And um, it seems that he may be penalized from it. But um, this is why um, he was placed on leave. But it says that Duke has not responded to a request for commenting regarding separation from church, but he told Religion News Service he started receiving email from congregants shortly after the episode aired. Enough of them were negative that his church's staff pastors, parish relations committee insisted that he request a new assignment from Bishop Julius Tremble of the Indiana Conference. 
While he awaited the appointment, he planned to leave a Bible study about sexuality in the church, but received another negative bullying attack from e- email from a church person that flipped the tie for him about a week after the episode aired. It just got to the point where the conflict, the anger grew too much, and so forth. My mental health, I started to back away, and I told my district superintendent that the conflict was so much, it was at a level for some that I was unable to be an effective leader. Again, so, you know, this is just, again, helping to understand and put the context. He was not fired, okay? And, all you know, he did not lose his job. He requested, as we all do in Methodism, change of assignment when the work gets too hard. <laughs> and um, that's pretty much how it is. So I just thought I want to share those two little stories with you. There's so much more that I could talk about in because um, I've been, you know, I've been, there's been a lot going on. I haven't been able to record the show as I have hoped. Uh, but, uh, you know, trying to get back to a regular schedule as as much as I can. But those are two things that I want to address real quick. So I, I'm going to take a quick break. And when I come back from the break, we're going to dive directly into the topic of the day, specifically uh, addressing black femicide and uh, how to help you overcome uh, if you are impacted by seasonal affective disorder, the holiday seasons give you this sense of grief and depression. We're going to help you with that also. So take a quick break, and we'll be back right after this. find it hard to believe, but at one point in your life, you're going to need access to reliable legal services. Legal issues can be confusing, complicated, and even a bit embarrassing. That's why I joined the family at Legal Shield. Legal Shield offers the most affordable, comprehensive legal coverage available. And for a small monthly fee, I have access to Legal Shield's personal plan that includes attorneys who will represent me and provide me advice, even draft and review documents on my behalf. Not only do they provide excellent legal service, but with their ID Shield, I'm also guaranteed protection from all fraud, including identity theft protection. Did I mention to you I have so many perks and benefits that come with being a member of Legal Shield? Yeah, that pretty much covered the plan by itself. For the last 45 years, Americans have trusted Legal Shield for all their legal needs, and I'm glad that I've joined them. So give them a call. Visit their website, www.legalshield.com. I'm telling you, you will be glad that you did. So if you're not aware, I am a very, very curious person. I'm always trying to learn new things. And um, so I recently learned about Skillshare, and it's opened up so many doors for me on learning how to be a better creative person. I've learned, I've taken classes on uh, creative writing, on my podcasting, on my YouTube videos, all of that. It has come in handy. And I would strongly recommend you, if you are trying to improve on any skill that you have and you want to go from being a hobby to uh, make it a pro, <laughs> I, I, I want to invite you to go to Skillshare.com. Uh, Skillshare.com is where you can go to learn all kinds of things. They have workshops on everything that you can imagine, photography, videography, uh, writing, anything that you can think of. You can find it on Skillshare. So, and I'm telling you, you're gonna you're gonna really love it. It's it's worth every single moment, every single class, and you'll you'll love it. You'll greatly greatly enjoy it. Go check it out. Skillshare.com/slash/zero-today-radio. Thank you. 
All right, welcome back to the Zero Today Show. I am your humble host, Dr. Lorenzo O'Neill. Thank you for thinking in our robbery to listen to this broadcast. I thank you so very much. Listen, I, I don't know if you know, but you know, I've got several books out, and I just produced my latest book of poetry. And yes, I am a poet, <laughs> and you didn't know it. But uh, I do have a latest book of poetry. It's titled He Was Clean. It's available on Amazon.com, on all other platforms, Barnes and & Nobles, and on my website. It will be available on my website, LorenzoTNeal.com. And I am doing a deal right now uh, up until um, – I, I think I'm going to run it until right at New Year's Day where you can get the book of poetry, He Was Clean, and two other books. For thirty dollars, my my book, past reflections from the pastor's study, and he uh, a breach in the family. Those two other books that I have, you can get that for. Uh, I'm going to do it for thirty dollars. All three books for thirty dollars. So uh, look out on my website for that promo. Look out on all of my social media for that promo. But make sure. Oh, excuse me. Make sure you go and get your copy of He Was Clean on Amazon.com. It's available in Kindle, as you know, on Kindle as an ebook and as paperback. Thank you so much again. I appreciate it. So let's get to this story. Um, this grieves me as I talk about this story. Um, and. and I was just with family for the holidays, for Thanksgiving holidays, and I came across a couple of stories where mothers were um, their lives were taken by their own sons on Thanksgiving Day for some for very frivolous reasons. Uh, matter of fact, I'll say all for frivolous reasons. But I think the most disturbing report of a woman losing her life or two women losing their lives at the hands of a man comes from the story of a story out of Baltimore, Maryland that happened just last week. Uh, Howard County Police said officers were called just after 2.07 p.m. to an apartment building where there were reports of gunshots Police officers said that when they arrived at the scene, they found two adults in the vestibule of the apartment building who were fatally shot. They identified the, those uh, victims as 44-year-old Rajee, Rajay Sharif Black and the victim, the other victim, as Wendy Natalie Black of Columbia. They were husband and wife. Um, Black. Rajee, I guess Rajay, however you say his name, I'm sorry. Um, he recorded a video. He went live um, on Facebook with his children in the car, admitting to having taken the life of his girlfriend who was pregnant and that he was heading to his wife who was suffered the same end along with himself. And he he gave his reasoning for this, stating that he was in a, involved in a custody battle with his wife, that his wife had accused him of um, several things, but primarily that she accused him of, of touching inappropriately their children. They've been in this custody battle for at least four years. It's not longer, but I think since I think since 2018, I could be mistaken. 2017, 2018, they've been uh, in this custody battle for a number of years. Probably it could be as long as 2016. But anyway, um, he had taken upon himself now to take the life of his girlfriend first. Because she was pregnant, and she began to show sentiments 
uh, similar to that of his wife. And uh, according to reports and by his own admission, she said that he would not never see his child, which was triggering to him because the wife threatened that he would not see his children. The funny thing is he was he had uh, custody. He was with them at the, his children by his wife. He's with them at the moment. Uh, he took the life of his girlfriend who was pregnant. The child had not been born. And then he does the unimaginable. With his children in the car, drives around 30 miles to Columbia, Maryland, where his wife resided. Um, I'm quite sure his wife was probably, he had called her and they were, he, she was expecting him. And I'm sure she was expecting him to drop the children off. He gets out of the vehicle. He approaches the door. And as he's talking, and I did not want to play the audio. I have the audio. I did not want to play the audio. He says, today's the day. The door closes, and that is the end. He takes, his li- he takes her life and takes the, his life. Now, what makes this interesting is that, you know, he's, he was a very successful um, anesthesia nurse. I think what they call it is, is uh, RNA or something like that. CRNA, I believe that's what they call it. But, you know, he, he worked with patients, uh, putting patients to sleep before surgery. He also, in that role, uh, put people on ventilators. So you can understand his role was very valuable and viable in uh, his workplace. And I can also imagine the stress, only imagine the stress, rather, that he endured daily. And you add to the fact that he's in a custody battle with his wife and perhaps um, something triggering the reaction between him and his girlfriend, I don't know. But um, he took your life. Um, According to uh, black fem black femicide dash US. Uh, there have been thousands, thousands, and this report comes from the Guardian. At least four women and girls are murdered. Black women and girls are murdered per day. This was statistically. This was statistics from 2020, um, and that has actually risen in 2021. Homicides uh, across the board, across the board, gun homicides and other um, homicides have increased across the board. However, when it comes to black women, statistically, it has uh, it has grown. And it, as I stated before, you can go to Black Femicide Dash US on Facebook, and you can read their articles. They post a lot of articles, but it's it's sad to me to read story after story of black children killing their parents. That's happening. Their mothers, in particular. Uh, there was a story back a few years ago here in Mississippi, where two young girls took the life of their mother because their mother was reprimanding them. You know, trying to trying to trying to be a parent. And they took their lives. They took the life of their own mother. There's a story of, and story after story of domestic violence increasing. Um, It's just, it's, it's growing and it's growing and it's becoming a great problem. And just, um, just last week, again, in Baytown, Texas, and there was a shootout at a vigil, and the unintentional victim of that shooting, um, that drive-by shooting, happened to be a female. Here in Jackson, where I live, um, a significant number of the hundred, nearly 150 homicides have been female 
uh, and by significant, I'm not saying a specific number. I'm just saying statistically significant have been females losing their lives at the hands of an intimate partner. And as a person who has lost their mother, I lost my mother uh, to, to domestic violence that involved a gun. You know, it was, just, it was one of her intimate partners who took her life. So this is why I'm, re- I'm really addressing this because I, um, I don't want it to be just another news story, and I don't, I definitely do not want it to be another, um, <coughs> an, another uh, statistic. And think about also, not long, just a few weeks back, uh, a woman was killed in the church that she served in, and. and you know, that took me back to the massacre at uh, Mother Emanuel in 2015. But the reason I'm saying I'm, I'm addressing this is because uh, we, sh- you know, I know we focus on domestic violence in October. That's the month that we recognize as domestic violence awareness. But when it comes to black femicide, it's happening so much more frequently. There, there's a story of a man who stabbed his daughter to death, his own daughter to death. I want to say it's in Augusta, Georgia, um, in broad daylight. So this is uh, it, it's just, it, it's just, it's crazy because. This is all preventable. This is all preventable. And it's stuff that we can uh, be more, I think we should be more vocal about. I'd love to hear your thoughts. and You can share your thoughts in the comments. Um, reason, reason I, I'm passionate about this, because I don't want a child to have to grow up without a mother even if that child commits the act against their mother, that that trauma, whatever triggered that act, will continue to stimulate the trauma from that act. And they'll have to live with that. And I hate that they have to live with that. But I also hate the fact that, you know, as gun violence prevention advocate and as a gun owner, I do not wish to see anybody lose their life in that manner. You know, I don't want to, I definitely when it comes to women, where boyfriends or husbands who believe that the only way that they can resolve their conflict with their spouse or their significant partner or their intimate partner is through violence or death. It says something about where we are. And I believe it is a spiritual issue. I don't think it's just uh, as, a, as a mental health professional. I believe there are some definitely some mental health components to that. As a matter of fact, I'm quite sure there are some mental health components to that. But as a pastor, I also completely believe that there are some underlying spiritual issues that we have to address. And you don't have to be deep to to understand that. You no, know, we use the terminology in the church, spiritual warfare. This is what this is. This is spiritual warfare. This is, you know, what we would say demonic infused attacks against humanity that is carried out by other humans. And you ain't got to believe in demons to to even really understand that this is metaphysical metaphysical this is beyond the physical the the undergirding of the violence that we're seeing is is that which means the solution and the resolution has to also be metaphysical it has to be divine it has to come from outside of ourselves our justice system is failing us our legal system is failing us we're seeing systemically how our urban communities are destroying itself 
uh, we're destroying ourselves because of what's happening, okay? And direct or indirect, however we like to see it, one way to respond to this is through this spiritual address. And I, I strongly believe, as and although I have no children of my own, that as parents, particularly my generation of parents, we've got to do better. We've got to engage our children more. Uh, a lot of the crime that is happening, and we know this to be true, statistically is carried out by uh, the children in my generation, my, my generation's daughters, sons. Um, we're not old enough to have grandchildren. <laughs> They're, you know, but we we are birthing the millennials and the Gen Zers, and they're carrying out a lot of the violence that we're seeing. And for those for those of us who are older, what we're seeing is even worse because we're seeing reactionary and very, very poor interpersonal skills, very, very poor interpersonal relationships. And we're carrying out the violence too. And all of that can be resolved. All of it can be resolved. There, um, there are a plethora of means to carry that out. There's no one explicit way to make sure that that happens or be resolved or, as we say, we can end it. Um, there's no direct way we can – well, I'm not say direct. There's no uh, explicit means of doing it, but collectively. We raise the awareness collectively. We empower our communities to be more aware of this disenfranchisement, uh, all of this that's going on where these people feel that way, and there's their sense of disengagement with the world and with one another. You know, it, that's, that's what we got to do. It's black folk. It's black church. It's black pastors. Can't ignore it. We can't put on our spiritual uh, goggles or, or blinds or whatever it may be. I don't know if I'm saying it right. But anyway, we've got a lot to do. And we don't have much time to do it because people are dying daily. Let me return to this article real quick. Um, now, the article... The, that's by the Guardian. It's a few months old, but it's still pretty much relevant. The increase in murders of black women comes as the overall U.S. murder rate rose nearly 30% during the pandemic, the biggest jump in six decades. The number of people murdered increased sharply against across racial groups and in cities big and small. Most of America's homicide victims remain men, and black boys continue to face the highest overall risk of homicide with at least 2,400 additional black men and boys killed in 2020 compared with 2019. But the rising murder rate has, afflict, uh, has affected black women across the country. Baltimore, Maryland, recorded the highest ever record number of women killed in 2020, with at least 48 women murdered throughout the year, many of them black. So it goes on to say, uh, advocates and experts say the stark rise makes it clear it's time to address the factors that have long made black women face a three times higher homicide rate than white women, as well as why they think their risk of being murdered increased. Yeah, increase and it's increasing. There's never been a moment in our society where there's been a reckoning with the particular kinds of back, uh, violence that's meted out against black women. So, uh, we know black women are more vulnerable to it. We know black men are also more vulnerable to it. We know that there's an equity in the way um, the C-19 has impacted uh, black people, urban communities and rural communities. We, we understand all of that. But what we must do, what we must do and we have to do is raise this awareness. We got to get people to care, right? Uh, Rosa Page, who founded Black Femicide U.S., this is what she says. Uh, she's she works as a nurse, and she says this: Black women and girls have been indoctrinated. 
to believe everyone matters but themselves. When things get rough, black women are the last are the first to be harmed and the last to be checked on. That's according to Ori Monroe, an organizer with uh, Black Women's Side. So we have to, as 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 black pastor, black male pastor, black cisgender man who has been impacted by this, uh, we need to know what the reality of it is, the statistical significance of it is, and we have to do our job to raise the awareness of it. Um, there have been at least, uh, as of September of 2021, uh, almost 1,100 black women murdered across the United States. Now, for some, that may seem like a low number, but when you can look at when you look at uh, the population, statistical population of the United States when it comes to black people, that we are roughly uh, 12 to 14 percent black of the United States population. All right, and when you look at um, statistically at that number of uh, gun, of not just gun deaths, but homicides, either by gun, by death, I mean by stabbing, or by poisoning. However, we want to say, but homicides, uh, particularly, we use gun homicides because that's the most tracked, and unfortunately, that's the most um, reported on. Statistically, black women are so high, and um, we we have to we have to do better, and it's going to continue to rise. Unfortunately. Unfortunately, we have to, and I'm of this mindset, we have to address it as a health issue and not a social issue, okay? Gun violence has to be seen as a, as a health issue, as an epidemic, epidemic and uh, domestic violence needs to be raised in the same manner. And I think when we see it that way, we put as much emphasis on that as we have done, as the government has done with the opioid crisis as the government had had done when it came to uh, AIDS and all of that, when we do that, I think we will see a paradigm shift. Uh, no one, and a large majority of these mur- of these murders still go unreported. I mean, not unreported, but um, unsolved. There's much we can do. But anyway. I, I I didn't want to leave on that and on that that Blake note note. Uh, I just want to address that. And while I'm addressing that, I'm, uh, if you have been impacted by negative emotions this season, holiday season, don't feel bad. Don't feel left out. You're not the only one. Um, holidays bring about a great sense of depression. Uh, depressive episodes happen more frequently during the holiday, particularly during the winter holiday uh, season. And this is known within the field as seasonal affective disorder. Seasonal affective disorder doesn't just happen, you know, it happens around seasons, you know. Depressive episodes are heightened senses of grief and loneliness and all of that is heightened. And so for those persons who experienced that, and I was experiencing that for a long time, uh, I got help. You know, one of the ways I got help is I went through better help. And I would strongly encourage you, if you are experiencing that kind of an episode this this season, as we approach the winter season, uh, I strongly encourage you to seek out help from BetterHelp. BetterHelp.com is, uh, they have an affiliated affiliate network of nearly 17,000 therapists, licensed, trained therapists that are available for you. And when I say they're available for you, you can tailor it to what you specifically need. Are you experiencing anxiety, a specific kind of anxiety? Well, they have someone there for you. Are you experiencing depressive and you're, you know, it's going on for long and you're uncertain as how to cope and you just need better coping mechanisms? They have someone for you. Go to BetterHelp.com and sign up today. Find a therapist that will work for you. I've used them. I'm glad I I did. 
because when I reached out to my therapist on BetterHelp, my issue was I didn't feel as productive, and I was I was in a rut, and they helped me so much. So go check it out, BetterHelp.com. It's going to be a, a wonderful help for you, and you'll be greatly, greatly benefited from it. Anyway, that's the show for today. I want to make sure that you, uh, again, tune in. Uh, go to the Zero Network on Facebook. Go there, listen to all our archived shows. Uh, this show is available on all podcast pro- platforms, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, uh, iTunes, all of that. Go listen, check it out. Make sure you follow us and subscribe to us. And if you haven't done so, become a patron on Patreon.com. Uh, go there, look at the tiers, sign up for one of the tiers, and see the benefits of supporting uh, a show like mine. But also, I want to again encourage you if you uh, haven't done so, go to com- <laughs> haven't done so. Go to Amazon.com, get my latest book of poetry called "He Was Clean." Uh, it's available. It's short read, beautiful poems, and um, I know you're going to enjoy it. But thank you guys so much for tuning in. Make sure you listen every time we uh, go on air so you can get notifications when we do so. All right. Thank you so much. And I am out. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. We're not going to do a show next week, but uh, at least I don't plan to do a show next week uh, because of the holidays. But if we do, you will know. But until then, this is Dr. Lorenzo Neal. Thank you so much, and I'm out. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.